So Derek, can you like introduce yourself for the audience in Taiwan? Yeah, hi everybody. Uh, my name is Derek Evely. I'm a uh, coach, uh, sport consultant. I uh, I'm the owner operator of EvilTrackSport.com, and right now, uh, guy living in Chicago, coaching a bunch of uh, athletics, track and field athletes, mainly in the throws. Love that, love that, love that. So uh, today, I kind of want to ask about like the bond and chuck approach. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I can like give us some thoughts about like what exactly is like the Bonachuk model and how is it different with the tradi traditional periodization approach? Yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's a big question. <laughs> I don't know how long you want to go, how deep you want to get into it, but the Bonachuk system or approach to training is is uh quite a bit different it's a it's it's almost like uh in a lot of ways it's like uh it's like an alternate world or a parallel world to what the traditional models of training and periodization are um it's really i mean periodization is just one part of it it's really just a it's a it's a it's an actual it's like a different training model altogether um and they're they're been a lot of different names for it but like some people call it block periodization which is if if you understand or have read any of dr b's books or if you've taken my course on it online um you you know that block is just one one method of many different methods that operate within the bonnetrick system so block's not a great name for it uh i i like to call it reverse periodization because there's a number of ways in which the Bonnerchuk model is, is completely different from normal training, traditional methods of training. And one of them is that in traditional methods of training, what you do is you, or traditional periodization, however you want to call it, methodology, um, what you do is you, 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 you plan out an athlete's training by picking a start date. Okay. So however you pick that, it could be random. It could be traditional date. It could be based upon where your competitions are and you want to, you want a certain number of weeks that you want to, you know, that, that kind of thing. And then what you do <clears throat> is the athlete starts training, you manipulate volume and intensity and, other factors and you you manipulate these to drive adaptation um, in certain ways and there's many different ways to do that many different models right from the classic Matviev model to more traditional or more more contemporary models like the Cheney's model or any others um, and you 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 manipulate these different factors to try to to create a peak or put an athlete into sport form. In the Bonnerchuk method, we kind of turn that around. We don't, so in, I should back up a bit. So in, in the traditional models, you might say, okay, we're going to start here and we're going to train for three months. And at the end of three months, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we have a competition, we're going to peak and you're going to divide that three month period into different 
stages, blocks, whatever method you use. Uh, and each one of those stages or blocks represents a different way that you manipulate the training, usually mostly volume and intensity. And the, usually it, it, it involves some kind of overload and then a tapering process and all of that. In the Bonner check method, we kind of reverse that. What we do is we don't change volume and intensity. That's the key point. It's the key factor. It's a key element in the whole system. And that's the hardest element that people struggle with. It's, or it's the one that people struggle with the most is that we, when we present a, uh, what we call a program, like a workout, a training session, a stimulus, whatever you want to call it. Once we design it and we present it, and there may be more than one, you may have one, two, three, four stimulus uh, programs, then we don't change it. We just keep rolling them over. So they will do the, the same workout over and over and over again. And there's a lot of ins and outs to how you put that together and how you choose volumes and intensities and things like that, but it does not change. So, I'm coaching um, a number of athletes right now. One is a hammer thrower that's uh, I'm coaching her long distance. She's just taking up the hammer. I started with her last August and she's in her third, what we call a PDSF, which is period of development of sport form. So it's the main cycle that's in the bonder truck system. It's the only real cycle used in in um, uh, that, and there's various ways that that uh, changes depend on the methods that he uses. Uh, but the period of development of sport form, what what we do with her, or, sorry, this athlete is on one program only. So she has one program. That is it. She repeats it. She does it. She's able only. She's uh, a postgraduate in university. She can train once a day, and so every day she does the same workout. Sounds crazy to a lot of people. And you can't do it in every sport like that. And, and the more, uh, you know, the depending on the sport, the more programs you will have. But she uses one. She repeats it. If you walked into day one of that cycle and you watched her do this and you and she is right now, today will be the 44th session that she has done. Okay, um, you see the exact same workout. Every it's identical. Nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is that she should be moving the weights faster, throwing further. Everything should just be better. If I've done my job right, if I okay. So rather than manip change volume and intensity, that stays constant. What we do is we changed within the cycle it stays constant we might change it between cycle and cycle but essentially it, it stays pretty close but we use exercise change from cycle to cycle to create adaptation or to drive adaptation and dr b says that when you do this and you do this correctly that when the athlete comes into peak condition which is typically between somewhere between 40 and 50 sessions or around 50 I this girl um, that I'm talking about, she has been um, 
This is her third PDSF with me, and she is coming into form right now, exactly the same as she did on the other two cycles around. She starts, starts, she's been growing for the last 20 sessions. I figure she'll have another 10 to 12 sessions, but she peaks typically within 50, somewhere between 52 and 57 sessions or something like that with the, with throwing. And I've, you know, so that's how we, um, so that's in a nutshell, how it works. Okay. Um, and so we don't, we don't change anything from day to day and we just, um, yeah. And, and then we, what we do is we, you know, because we, we do it in the throws, we can, we can measure every day our, 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 where the athlete's at. Uh, we're lucky that way. We also use bar velocity to measure. I measure that in many different ways and I track that. And I found that the growth that they get in throwing distance, uh, that reaction. And if you've studied bar to check, you know that there's typically three different reactions that athletes take, that athletes respond with when you present the stimulus and you go out that far over, you know, up to around 50 sessions or so give or take 10 sessions um, that they typically will, will respond in one of three different ways. Okay. But they all end up in a peak condition, all three. And, and it, that's a, that's a long conversation. And I go through it in depth in the course, but uh, it's, and it's quite interesting, but um, yeah. So, and this girl who is started throwing, she started throwing with me last August. She's 26 years old and she's, she had her first meet, um, two weeks ago and she had a seven meter PB, um, and she had a foul that would have made a nine meter PB, which is pretty huge growth. I mean, I've, I've never had anybody grow that much in a year, even a beginner. So she's, she's, you know, she's responding very well to it. So, um, you mentioned that you use like you use like velocity based training to track the bar velocity. So mm -hmm. at, at the beginning when I like got introduced to the, the velocity based training, the concept is like not, let's say one person's one, R, one RM is going to change daily. Right. So if it's the same program or if it's the same, like intensity and volume, how how does like how does the velocity going to change or is it is how it does, how does how does the bar velocity factor into what i'm doing yeah 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 sorry okay so yeah that's that's interesting so so about 10 years ago um i was coaching um a number of women hammer throwers back in canada i live in chicago now but i uh, i was throwing i was living in canada and one of the issues we have with the bonner chuck system in canada is that what do you do when you're in the winter if you're throwing indoors into a net or something or you're not you can't you can't get that measurement every day and um you know so how do you how do you measure peak condition the only other way you could do it is through the more specific exercises so you could like you could measure like i mean assuming you had the room to do it you could say do a shot heavers 
you know, measure that, you know, you want something fairly specific, but there's other things that you can use. And so, but that's when the, when the, these devices were really becoming popular at that time. And so I was thinking about it and I thought, well, if we're not changing the weight of the, of the, of the lifting and it stays the same throughout the entire cycle, why couldn't we just measure the speed of the bar just like we measure the distance of the of the hammer or the discus or the shot put in workout and track it and use that but there's a big there's a big assumption there and the assumption is that that the curve that you get from bar bar velocity is going to mimic the curve that you're going to get from your throwing data okay so but and I didn't know that I, I didn't know if it would or not. I you would assume it would because if they if they grow into a full peak condition, they should come into peak condition with everything. So what I did is I started. I threw on. I bought a couple of push bands. I started using it. Um, and that's exactly what I found. I found that I found that not only do does the athlete generally speaking come into peak condition at the same time as they do with their throwing distances, do they come into it with the bar velocities, but all the, all the different individual peaks and valleys and the, and the different uh, mini peaks and earlier peaks, because those, that's a really interesting conversation too, is how those, how those are similar between from one PDSF to another. Um, I found that uh, those were the same. And that was stunning to me. They were really shocking. Um, and so ever since then, I've been using it and I haven't been using it, not, not just for measuring peak condition when we're indoors. And this girl I was just talking about, her second PDSF, all of her throwing, all 58 sessions or something like that she did in that cycle were, uh, were all indoors. I don't have one hammer measurement, and but I do have all of her bar velocities. And so I just use that. But... I also started using it all the time, started measuring every day. I measure, I measure, you know, not on every lift, sometimes two lifts. If it's bench, if it's a shot putter, I'll do it with bench or some kind of press. Maybe if, if I have that in the program and, um, and some kind of global, uh, global strength ability, like a, a some kind of squat, step up, lunge, Olympic lift, something like that. So I, I, I measured all, um, wh whatever the main key lifts are and I track them together and, and I use it as backup. Like I use it, like it, it also, you know, because when you're, there's a lot of variation from day to day, especially early on in these cycles, one of the, one of the key indicators that an athlete is coming into peak condition is that that variance from day to day and the results starts to get really narrow, right? Like they like every day starts to get good. And that's what Dr. B calls a true peak condition is when is, you know, with, with using this method, when you don't taper, your, your, your body has actually adapted to the stimulus. And then of course, when you get there, you have to change everything. That's another discussion, but rather than, rather than, and this is what he, his belief is, is that in traditional periodization, when you load, 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 and then you go, the athlete starts going into a, um, uh, comes toward, 
goes into competition season or it's coming up to where you want them to peak, then you then you unload them. And of course the result is going to go up. But he says that's a that's a you know, he calls it a false peak. Not that it's not legitimate. And many people have done it and and it works very well. But this one in this style, we don't tape because the athlete has fully adapted to the training. It just takes a long time, you know, 50 sessions of the same thing. It's, it's, you know, and, you know, you find that um, it's easier peak to control um, because there's less variance. They feel good all the time. The key though, is that once they start going down, because once they adapt to it, they're not going to adapt. They're not going to stay at that. You know, they're not going to stay at that peak forever it'll last it's individual but it'll last one to two weeks then you got it then you got to make a decision as to what you're going to do whether you're going to try to do the whole thing over again like another pdsf or you're going to go into maintenance or something like that but that's a long conversation so. can i like understand it this way for a like traditional approach when you go to like uh um let's say max strength and like uh, power phase and then taper it's more of a more of a neural adapt neural adaptation so after like let's say after a few weeks of like not training max strength the max strength is gonna go down after a few students train like speed the speed is gonna go down but uh, the bundle truck approach it's basically like letting people get stronger because everything we did is the same so we actually adapt to everything we did am i right or yeah so that's really interesting you bring that up because with this girl her name's nia Britt, um and i've been playing around doing a lot of experimentation with her and and uh, i i have a colleague who who is very good at using the system um, in California, his name is Nick Garcia. I could, I consider him to be one of the greatest, most knowledgeable throws coaches around. He's, uh, he, even though he coaches, uh, he coaches at a private high school. He's quite, uh, he's quite amazing. He uses the system with all of his athletes. He actually uses both traditional and bonder truck, depending on whether they can do bonder truck. If they, you know, it's, you know whether or not it's feasible enough to do it with them but he generally when he can he does and him and i him and i've been um discussing this a lot lately and i'm i'm also going over the results with nia has a uh the strength and conditioning coach at iowa where she lives has taken the bonder truck course and so he's he's uh his name's cody roberts and and so he um he's helping me manage it on his end. Cause I'm not there all the time at, well, I'm hardly there. Um, and so he helps me sort the loads and things like that. And, you know, we've been studying this. So what I did with her in this last cycle, which is quite interesting. And, and I, I started, I started to really play around with the, with how I manip or how I set the bar velocity loads a couple of years ago. And what I decided was, and, and this is how we use it. You know, I, I wouldn't say what we do is BVT training because I don't know. I don't really know what formally what BVT training or bar velocity. I know it, it, it represents uh, a, a certain methodology. And from the way I understand it, what it is, is 
you do exactly sort of the opposite of what we do. You change the load on a day-to-day basis to keep them within a zone, right? Okay. So we don't do that. So what I do is at the beginning of a cycle, once I pick some exercises, once I say, okay, so for Nia on this one, she was doing, she's doing a, a box squat. Okay. Uh, probably I call it a box squat. It's really what she, what she's doing. She, we're using a, a box to, to set, to set the depth. I don't want her to go full in this. She's uh, I, I will use full squats, but I, I wouldn't, but we are going into competition phase. So I want more of like a, like a, half squat or just below 90 degree, you know, sort of squat. So I, and because we are measuring the velocity every day, I need that, I need that range to be consistent. So we use a, we use a box with a pad on it, right? I'm doing this with a number of athletes and Nick is doing this with one of his athletes right now. And so what I, what I do is in the first day, the first day that we do the session, I have the warm up. So I do a warm up set and I, I use gym awares now. Okay. So we have the gym wear set up and we trained in this metal container and has a steel ceiling. So the gym wares are up top. And so they're all, you know, they're there. And, and what I do is the first day I, I load them. Well, the first thing is I want them to be like, I'll just pick whatever zone I want them to be. So let's say for that next PDSF, I want them to be in the strength speed zone, which is usually where I used to stay at, right? It's like, a, because we're lift, we're doing the same lift every day, to go heavy max strength every day might be a little difficult, but I'm going to get to that in a second because we've done some interesting experimenting with it. So, but in the up until this last cycle, the current cycle we're in now, what I've done is I, so strength speed is typically uh, 0.80 to 1.0. Am I, I'm right there, right? Okay. <clears throat> so what I do on the first day is I, I have them warm up with this squat, whatever exercise it is. But for Nia right now, it's, a, it's this box squat. So she goes down, does a set of five. <clears throat> she'll warm up then we'll do a heavier set and then i start looking at the i start looking at the speeds so they'll be very fast at first especially after the warm-up set they'll be really quick and we just keep loading until those reps the set average and it's it's a bit of a guess it's it's not really a guess but it's like a bit of a judgment call as to what the actual load's going to be and cody in iowa I, I, I got to hand it to him. He's been very good and helpful with doing this. Cause I'm not with her. I'm not there. Usually I'm there with her. I'm not there. And he's made some on the day of really interesting calls with her squats that have worked out very, very, very well. So what, the, what I do is we keep loading it. We might do, we might end up doing like four or five sets and we just keep loading until until the bar speeds generally are just below the zone I want to be at. So, so when I, when I want to work through the strength speed zone on day one, I will have them do uh, I'll, I'll set the, I'll, I'll set the load. We will find a load that is generally around 0.75 for most of the reps. Okay. Like, you know, it's, if the, if, you know, like we, we, we change the exercises within each cycle. So 
a formal box squat she hadn't done or any kind of a squat she had done in almost a year. Okay. So, so, you know, so, the, so there's a little variation there, but I guess, you know, and some of it's gut and things like that, but we picked a little, for her, it was 275 pounds for five. Okay. So I forget what the actual numbers were for those five reps when we got that, but it was, you know, Cody made that judgment call. Like the last rep might be quite slow because, you know, she hasn't done squats in a while. And it's getting heavy. Right. So I, so, but uh, in my example, I, we're, we're, uh, we're talking about straight, sorry, we're talking about strength speed. So I will set it at about 0.75 and whatever that load is, let's say, it for, let, let's say it's, uh, let's say it's for argument's sake, it's 225 pounds. Okay. It's two plates on each side then i that will that will be the set weight for the next 50 sessions that she's lifting when they do that exercise and her job or the athlete's job is to just move it faster and faster and what i and what i expect them to do which i've seen every single time i've done this is they will go right through that zone so by the end of it I would expect them to be in the 1.0 range. So they, so we choose a weight that they're that uh, at session one, and and sometimes you got to adjust it in the first week. You know, it depends. You might, you know, you might have to move it up 10, 20 pounds either way. It doesn't, you know, it's not a big deal. <clears throat> but once within the first workout or two, we set the weight, and then I, and then we record the speeds. I typically will do a warm up set and then either give them a heavier warm up set and then two sets of the of the formal weight or like with Nia I just she just goes it, prior to this current cycle and I'll get to that in a second we you know she she would do a warm up set and then the next three sets would be at that load and her job is to just move it as fast as she can and then send me the results and I graph it and I would expect her to go right through I, I, I record the fastest rep and the set average, okay? Uh, the best set average and the fastest rep of the day, those two marks on mean velocity. And I expect it to go right, I would I expect over 50 sessions for her to, gr to go up at least into 1.0. So I would expect 20 centimeters per second growth throughout the 50 cycles. And typically now the site now, and that's worked over and over for me. But this cycle, what I decided to do, I decided to experiment with something different. And like I said, Nick Garcia and I have talked a lot about this and he's experimenting with it too. Um, and what we've done is I thought, well, why just limit it to one, to one zone? Why not? Why can't I do the same thing with a number of different zones? So what I did was she has a warm-up set, maybe two. And then the first real set, I actually had her at the on day one when she was measuring. She I, I said to Cody, I said, listen, you know, I was there, of course. So I said, find a weight that is around. 0 0.45, 0 0.5, you know, right at the sort of, I want it as heavy as you can get away with and still get five reps in, right? Not to failure. We never go to failure, right? But, you know, it's going to drop off a bit. But generally, just, 
use your gut, read the, read the, read the push, the results and use your gut. And I want a, a weight that's somewhere around there. And then what I want her to do is black as, you know, of course, with that first set, that's the first, well, let's call it the first real set after the warm-up sets. That's her mat. What, what starts off as her max strength set. This this gets really interesting, and I wasn't totally expecting what was going to happen. So she so she does this, and then the and so we started at about point four five point five. The set the the next set is like point two. We we picked a load that was that started off about point two meters per second faster and then the third set about you know which was strength speed so essentially what we started with was a set that started off in the max just at this sort of mid zone of the max strength zone the next one was sort of uh, at the lower end of the accelerative strength zone and then the last set was just like what i just described with the strength speed zone so, and these three loads turned out to be, oh yeah, they were all five reps of the same, obviously of the same exercise. So what we did was, um, so they were, they were, they were all five reps um, and we, she's doing the same thing. So she does one, what started off as max strength, one accelerative strength in the middle of it. Okay. And one. And she blew through each zone. So the idea was that she would she would start off at max strength. She might even go deeper in a max strength because or or any of the zones because the not everybody is goes up like straight up like they don't like if you know the reaction curves it's not a straight linear improvement. There are dips and with Nia there's always a dip around after twenty sessions. She has a peak at six sessions a peak at a, at around 20 sessions, a major peak, then it really drops off. And then it's then, it, and for about 10 sessions, and then it goes, then the next 20, 25, uh, yeah, the next 20, 25 sessions, she goes straight up. Okay. Um, generally speaking. So what we found was, was that she blew right out of the, with the mat. Oh, sorry. I don't, I was going to say, sorry. Been a long week. Uh, the the max the load was 275 pounds for the max strength times five the next one was 225 times five and the last set was 185 times five okay well now she's at she's at like i said i think yesterday was set 43 and she had a pb yesterday with her best rep max strength you're not gonna believe this this is crazy she is moving the max strength load faster than she was moving the strength speed loads. So she is moving 275 pounds faster than she was moving for her best rep and and I think her her set average faster than she was moving 185 at the beginning. That's I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not the world's I mean, I'm not Brian Mann. I I'm not I'm not the world's biggest expert. I would love to talk to Brian about this, actually. And I've talked to Brian privately. Him and I've had some conversations. He was a uh, he was a big help when I was learning this. Um, but I would love to get his input on that because that's pretty that's incredible growth. Like for 
for that kind of a load, 275 pounds, she's moving it. Uh, I think it's around, she's grown almost a foot per second faster. So she's moving it like 30 centimeters faster than she was 44 sessions ago. And, and the other two loads have done the same thing. They, I mean, her accelerative strength zone is, is started off at like 0.65, I think, 0.6.65. And is now she's hit, she's actually hit 0.9 with that belt load. And her strength speed, she started off at, what I you know 0.75 or thereabouts and she her best to date is 1.1 that was that's that's incredible that's 35 centimeters faster and you're talking full intent here like always full intent right so think about that so like whatever it was like uh two and a half months ago when she started this she she was moving 185 for five reps as fast as she could. And now she's moving almost a hundred pounds more that speed. Well, crazy. So that's, you know, yeah, I've never seen growth like that. Yeah. I've seen, you know, I always see a good point too. So, so this whole idea and, and the beauty of it is, is that I'm hitting all these zones, right? So it's not like I'm staying in one zone. Um, I'm, I'm hitting all the zones. So she's getting a bit of, you know, a fair dose of max strength through the cycle, accelerative strength, speed strength. And, and I think now what, what's uh, our strength speed, I think, she, and she's her strength speed weights are dipping now into the speed strength. So somewhere in there throughout the cycle, she's hitting every pretty much everywhere she needs to, or she possibly could on the force velocity curve other than, you know, com being completely unloaded or or uh, eccentric loads, right? What are Max. your thoughts on that? I mean, because you're the first person I've told this to, right? Other than oh. other than other than a, uh, there's a I have a little chat group with uh, Louise uh, Louise uh, Mesquita, who's been on my podcast, and Cody, and uh, two uh, um, two other um, strength and conditioning people. Um, uh, Vicky Bender and um, um, uh, Juan, uh, Juan, uh, oh Jesus, sorry, Juan. <laughs> if you're listening, to this, I know I'm having a brain fart here. Uh, yeah, and 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 uh, and I've been sharing these results with these people online, but you're the first person I've actually explained it to publicly, so it's pretty interesting stuff to me. Like, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I, first of all, like, thank you for sharing this to me. Mm -hmm. I really love it. And I think it's amazing. If you, if I, if I, if I put, let's say, if I'm a traditional strength and conditioning coach and looking at mm -hmm. this, it was, it, it's, it was like, it's going to be like crazy. Mm -hmm. But let's say if I'm a, if I'm a like novel, just got into the strength and conditioning world and look at this, and I, I think it's pretty, pretty cool. And I think it, I mean, I should probably work that. I should probably use this method. 
Well, yeah. Do you do you is this is this, is your podcast primarily uh, YouTube? YouTube and well? YouTube and like Apple Podcasts. Okay, so um, do you want me to share some of the graphs? Sure, can, sure, can sure, 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 sure. Okay, so you you'll probably have to have to edit this, but uh, you know, or I'll just let you do. It. But I'll, I'm going to share my screen right now. Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, it says uh, disabled participant screen sharing. Wait a sec. How about now? There we go. Okay. Oh, okay. I have to. I have to configure my. Hang on a second here. There we go. Okay. kind of blow my mind man yeah it's it this is i yeah okay hang on let me view this okay uh don't don't show this one this doesn't show much this is just okay so I'm gonna do, 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 do. Okay. So here's the cycle that let me let me zoom in here. Oh maybe oh yeah. Okay, can you see this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is the this is the cycle here. Um, um this is the best rep. Okay, so this is the best rep of the uh, um, of of each of the three sets that I described. The blue is the max strength. The the orange is the uh, whatever it went started in accelerative strength and went right up through uh, strength. It's in now in the strength speed zone, and the strength speed is the gray that goes right up. Okay, so um. So as you can see here, right, like after about, right around here is about 20 sessions, she drops and that's typical for her, very typical. Um, I, I'll show you, I'll show you in a second, th these, the set averages compared to the, the, the last three, uh, um, a comparison of all three PDSFs that we've done, which is really quite interesting. But anyways, here, here it is. So you can see here that this point here, she went 0.7. She's gone 0.7 now twice for the, the load of 275 pounds. And she is above her worst day. She's, she's not above where she started, but she's above her worst day. I guess I misspoke there. Uh, she's above her worst day, her lowest day in the strength speed zone. Okay. So she's started at, what did she start at? What, what was the first day here? It was the best rep on the first day was 0.48. Okay. And now she's, her best rep is 0.70. So she's gone 0.22 growth in max strength. Okay. But that on the best rep. Okay. And then you can see the, you know, the, the growth and that's a lot of growth for max strength because that's, lower right like it's heavier so and here she started at 0.66 on day one 
and her best so far. And this, I guarantee you, this is going to get better. Okay. Um, she, cause she hasn't peaked yet. You see, it looks like she's peaked here and she's, she's gone down. But as I'll show you in a second, this is normal. And then she'll go back up again. And then, then she'll hit her, her actual final peak. So here she started at 0.66 and then, uh, and she has hit as high as 0.9 with that. And this, what is this one? 1 I think I said 1.1. Yeah, 1.08 with the uh, strike speed. And she started that at right on 0.7, oh, 0.76. So you can see the growth. And each one of these dots in all three of these is exactly the same, right? Okay. Now, if we look at this one, this is really interesting. This is uh, set averages. Look at the growth of the set averages. So her set average in max strength at the beginning was 0 0.40. And now she's gone 0.68. So she's grown 0.28 in max strength over uh, the date. I, this, ah, geez. So what is it? It's been about eight, it's been about two months. Okay. Uh, and here 0 0.60 to 0.85. 0.25 and 0.70 to 0.94. So it's typically somewhere between 0.2 and 0.3 uh, meters per second growth that I'm getting. But I'm really quite surprised at the, to me, I'm very surprised at the max strength, at the growth in it. And this is just, this is the, and these, this is the best set average of the, of each day. Okay. And then the last one I have here is this is an interesting one. So what these what this is this I thought what the hell you know I like to play around with Excel sometimes. So this one is the growth of so there's two lines here. The bottom one, the uh, maroon one, is her an average of her best set averages so you know how we have the three different weights the three different okay and we measure the best from each set the fastest rep and we measure the set average well i take all i i take an average of those three across the three different weights right so i average out the 270 i take the best set average uh, or well, not that the set average because there's only one each day. The set average of the 275, the 225, and the 185, and I average those three out, and that's what this mark is. So to me, this is kind of like a more this is like a across the board growth. I don't know what it, if it really means anything, but I just thought it would be interesting to measure. Um, and look, and this is this is the growth here, which is quite crazy right so she's gone oh and the blue is the same thing it's just the best rep so it's the three best reps of the day averaged out and here it's 0.63 and her best so far is 0.86 so she's gone point so everything is around between 0.2 and 0.25 growth okay um yeah what did what, what did you grow here 0.57 to 
0.29. Yeah, 0.22 as well. So, I mean, I collect a lot of this, but it's, a, you know, once you get the Excel file set up, it's quite easy. To, but it all tells me basically the same thing, right? You know, it just gives me, they're just, you know, and over, uh, you know, it's just, once you have it set up, it's easy. It's not like it takes a lot of time, but uh, yeah. So this is, so now here's something really cool. Um, this is an average of the last three PDSFs. Okay. So this is only the best set average. So this is the best set average of the day, but of um, in the strength speed zone. So this is all, this is all strength speed. Okay. So the the yellow is PDSF1, which he did step-ups in. That was from August to November of last year. The orange is clean pulls uh, from November to, I think, uh, to February of this year. Okay. And this, the gray one is the current one. Okay. This is a dynamic squat, box squat that we're doing now, okay? And I've compared them. I've lined them up at the exact same. They're, they're lined up exactly at the same session number, okay? Um, in, the, in the clean pulls, in the, in the second one, they didn't, they, for whatever, we lost somehow, we lost the data of the first five, four sessions or something like that. So that's why it starts here. But there were four sessions um before that it just i just don't have the data so i just didn't so i didn't put it in but anyways but here's something interesting right like she tends to peak like on each one of them she has these little mini peaks and in in the in the step ups it came let's see one two three four on session eight here it's session six this one it's session six okay and that's really normal some of these other little peaks here they're kind of you know, they're a little more random if I, you know, but this, this early first peak around session six to session eight, super common. I see it with everybody. Okay. The other one I see is around 20 sessions and that, I think that is somewhere around here. I think this is the number 18. Okay. So here in, in the, um, so you can see she had, it was a bit minor here with the step-ups. Now, remember the step-ups were, um, they're step ups, so they're not, you know, she's going full intent every time, but it was a high rep load. I think it was sets of four sets of 10 alternating. Um, the oh, this is interesting too. The clean pulls was only sets of three, four sets of three, and this is four sets of five. So they're those are three very different loading parameters, and yet we see pretty similar reaction i mean don't you think i'm gonna say yeah and it's so pretty, it's pretty cool yeah and so so you, you see this there's basically growth up in each one there's growth up to somewhere around 20 sessions a little longer with the with the step ups then it goes down then there's a drop and then it goes and then it goes up and then there's always a peak um around 30 sessions, 31, 32. So in this one, um, oh, this one's it's a bit later with the with the set. Now, um, remember, this is just set averages. Okay. Sometimes the uh if you look at the the best rep, I think they they usually come a bit earlier. But here, so set third, so 
0.39, there's a peak. Here, 0.35, and here, uh, 0.33, okay? So, uh, and this is just bar velocity. I do the same thing for the throws, but with the with the clean pulls here, I, I we, we didn't measure any of the throws because she threw indoors, and I don't have a lot of data for here as well because uh, she... It was so cold. She's only got uh, probably 10, 12 days in, but I am, but it is, it basically, it follows these, the same, um, the same reaction. So. Get it. Get it. Okay. So, so, you know, this is, this is what it looks like. This is what we're doing. It's, it's, it's been going very well. So. I love that. I love that. So, um, uh, what if see. like go, uh, go ahead because like the traditional like the traditional approach is more is like is based on like uh based on like letting not letting athlete to get like overread um to get like overtraining mm -hmm. but in this model we see that it's not going to happen with like the same load, the same intensity, and the same uh, volume, it's not like it basically just said that overtraining is I not going to happen. Saying. Am I right? Yeah, you have to pick the loads carefully, right? Like you have to pick the 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 you know the 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 key thing with this is to pick the exercise. Number one, the, my first and most um, important decision is what weights of hammers I'm going to pick for the next cycle from cycle to cycle because it has to change from cycle to cycle then it's the special exercises then it's the weight room exercises but I look at and then it's a general exercises which really is irrelevant I just have to change it that's all um but I found that this over the past this dynamic squat at this these intensities, the you know, through the strength speed zone has always been, uh, you know, kind of my go-to scheme going into competition, going into where I need them to, to throw far, right? So this is a little different because I'm doing that, but I'm also doing it in accelerative strength and in um and in max strength. But you have to you have to pick the load. The, when I say the load, I mean the overall load of the program, everything, the number of throws, number of special exercises, and the amount, um, the 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 one or uh, we only do one or two key lifts. That's it, and then we do a general strength circuit, which is like um, ancillary strength circuit at the end, which is you know a lot of trunk twists and um, uh, shoulder type of strength right a lot of it's prophylactic in nature um and so but but i look at that whole program that's what we that's the workout it's the the program you have to pick that load i look at it as in its entirety very carefully it has to be enough that it's going to stimulate adaptation but not so much it's going to crush them if they do it every day right so after, you know with with that takes a bit of experimentation and a bit of experience, but with hammer throwers or throwers in general, I have that pretty, pretty dialed in with most people. I know pretty much exactly what it's, what it's going to be um, within, you know, within a few 
degrees kind of thing. So, but yeah, so you have to be careful with it. You can't go in and give them, you know, you, you, you can't give them, you know, like in a lot of traditional lifting programs, you'll see four or five key lifts, uh, you know, in a ton of weight room work because they won't survive. They won't be able to do yeah. it. We're very, we're very, very SWAT in what we do. And one of the problems, one of the reasons why a lot of people kind of shy away from this is that they, they get so attached to certain exercises and they're like, well, how can I, you know, I just can't not do bench press, you know, or I can't not do, uh, you know, Olympics. Well, she just grew nine meters and she's only done Olympics once, one out of three cycles. Okay. And what, but what I say to those people when they, when they, when they say that, and I get it, I get why they do is I say, you know, you have to remember something in, I mean, it would, with a full-time athlete who's not working, they'll do this twice a day. They'll do it. So the time to peak condition won't be two months or two and a half months. It'll be five weeks, five to six weeks. And I, and I say to them, look, you know, you got to remember in six weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to put in whatever exercise you want again. Right. So it's not like, it's not like we do squats all year round. We put them in strategically where we want them and to, you know, and, in the, and as you saw, um, when I showed you the comparison of these charts, um, the, uh, of the well, this one right here. Sorry, as you, as you can see here, you know, step ups early on. I will go with something unilateral or contralateral. Then I went to an Olympic to see what you know, um, to see how she would react to that. And now I've gone to my key one and in going into competition. And her previous PB in the hammer um, before before this year was sixty point nine nine meters. And she opened up with 68.83. So, you know, it was, so that's seven, almost eight meters of growth. Nice. So, it's, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I've never had anybody grow that much. That's amazing. Not, that's amazing. Not at 26 years old. Yeah. You, you know, now she, you know, to be fair, she hasn't, um, She's she's throw she threw hammer in college, but she was more of a shot putter. So there is a there she was very trainable, but still it's insane amount of growth. Nice. So Derek, I know I know I send you a list of questions, but mm -hmm. um, I know we got way off topic. No, it's okay. I love that. I love that. And to be honest, I I have to be honest. I have to listen to this again so I can like. I can like. Uh, well, we can do a follow up on it. Yeah, of course. I, I need to. I need to like listen to this again to like absorb everything you mentioned, and we can do a follow up. Yeah, and I think I I have a lot. I mean, I've been wanting to show this to a lot of colleagues, so I'm really I'm glad we had the opportunity to do yeah. this because now I could just point them to the podcast and they can look at. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. For those who are interested in what we're talking about today, where can they reach out to you? Uh, the course is on my website at eviltracksport.com. That uh, now you it's it's evil track is the most screwed up name, but it's a long story. But it's e v e l t r a k sport.com. Uh, all my 
spotter truck course and and I have a number of other lectures from different um, experts in uh, in in track and field and strength and conditioning. They can go there to find the information and yeah. Cool.